me make this announcement right up front. Everybody was not coming in the auditorium first tonight, so if you've been going to the other classes, feel free to do that. You won't hurt my feelings if you leave. You'll just be mad a little bit, but other than that, no, I'm, I'm playing, really. There, there are other classes going on, and uh, I realize that last week we gathered in the auditorium first, and there may be some confusion there, so if you uh, went to the other class, feel free to do that. If you didn't like it, stay in here. Amen. I don't see nobody leaving. Welcome. Glad you're here. Let's uh, let's have a good time tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want us to pray first of all for Brother Robert Guest. He came to church tonight. Came to prayer, and uh, and uh, had some pain in his in his chest that ran up through his neck. And he came by the office. We had prayer with him, and uh, I told him to go home and take care of himself. And so he. He, he took off back to the house, but let's remember him in our prayers tonight. God has uh, been awful good to Brother Robert, and I believe the Lord will take care of that. Amen. Anybody else have a need tonight? I have a prayer request sheet here. I want us to remember the Glass family. Sister Joyce Glass's uh, mother passed away. And uh, let me just go ahead and do this right now. Sister Glass... Mother, there will be visitation at Miller Funeral Home from 1 till 6 on Friday. Now, the funeral is going to be way down south. Uh, uh, you take Highway 66 out of St. Francisville or just before, that's toward Angola. I hope none of you go too far because that you, you, I don't want them to keep you. But uh, y'all pray I don't get stuck down there. But nevertheless, that's where her funeral will be, and that's at 12 o'clock on Saturday. And I will put out a text explaining that so that you will have the information in your hand. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, in the name of the Lord, we come today. We believe you, Lord, that you will heal our bodies and take care of every need. Touch Brother Robert Guest tonight, God. Let healing be upon him. I pray for every unspoken request. I pray for every need that, are, that is written upon these sheets of paper. I pray, Lord, for everything that, that we need here tonight, that you would reach your hand down and you would touch and you would move in our behalf. I pray it in the name of Jesus right now. Touch brother and sister Glass, their family. Let the Holy Ghost minister to them. In the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said amen. amen. Shake three folks hand before you seated and then you can be seated and we're going to have a great time here this evening in the word of the Lord. Amen. 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 I love you, buddy. Hallelujah. God is good. Y'all really believe that? God is good all the time. What a great message we heard here Sunday. Wow. All I can say is uh, Tess Stewart preached. And uh, if you didn't receive that, well, all I can tell you is, is, is you, you don't, you, you missed it somehow. But God spoke to us here Sunday. What a great word of the Lord here. And uh, I appreciate, appreciate with Tess Stewart. What a great preacher. So, so we started last Wednesday night talking about ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. 
been a little song on my heart ever since we started this, this subject. My wife will tell you that I, I couldn't remember a couple of the words, but it, it just says this. God loves people. Any shape, any color, any kind. You don't have to be an angel to be very special in His eyes. You can read it in John 3.16, and He proved it on Calvary's tree. God loves people, ordinary people, people like you and me. Aren't you glad for that? God just loves ordinary people. Amen. So, so last Wednesday we talked about the young man that brought his lunch and the great miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 with just the loaves and fishes. And we, we, we dug deep into that. And, and tonight we're going to a, a little different occasion in the Scripture where God dealt with ordinary people. And uh, if you want to read with me, take your Bible and uh, turn to the book of John. Let me get my glasses. Well, maybe it won't be too little. Here we go. The book of John, chapter 4. That's St. John, chapter 4. We'll begin reading at verse 9. You can read along with me. This is a very interesting story. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink, of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the So here we'll go again. We'll we'll start at verse 12. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, 
neither come hither to draw. You skip down to verse 28 in that same chapter. The Bible said, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? I want to I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about this little Samaritan woman. What a powerful, powerful story this is. And uh, when we're talking about ordinary people, we're talking about people that go through the same things that we do in life. And the Bible is full of just common, ordinary folks and stories about common people. You don't have to be it. I will emphasize this every time I teach from this subject. You don't have to be any certain creed or culture. You don't have to be uh, a rich man. You don't have to have a certain pedigree. There's none of that that matters to God. What matters to God is that we have a soul, and our soul is important to God. Amen? It's all right to say amen in this class. It's all right to move around a little bit, shuffle your feet, act like you enjoy it, whether you do or not. Amen. The Lord gave us, and I, I let, me, let me just preface the, the remarks with this. Everybody say ordinary people. Say a woman of Samaria. And the last thing I want you to say is this. She was a witness. She was a witness because of what happened in John chapter 4. And the Lord gives us an example in witnessing through this woman of Samaria. She received the salvation of the Lord and became an effective witness uh, because she met with Jesus at the well. People people who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb should tell about it. The Bible said we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and what else? Oh, yeah. Everybody say it together, the words of our testimony. You're made an overcomer by the blood of Jesus Christ and by the words of your testimony. Do you know what Paul did when he stood before Agrippa? Agrippa, he gave his testimony. Do you, know, do you know all you are asked to do is when God saves you, you become a witness. And to become a witness, all you have to do is tell what happened to you. Tell what you've seen and what you've heard. We don't need hearsay. We don't need stories about faraway land. We just need to know what God done for you because you'll save more people that way. No one is excluded from giving his testimony. Nobody in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. We should tell. Everybody in this room should tell where God brought you from. What God has done for you. What God delivered you from. The miracles that God wrought in your life. We are commanded as a matter of fact. When Jesus said the Holy Ghost fell would fall in, in, in the book of Acts, he said you shall be what? Witnesses. He said, I, I'm going to let you go to Samaria and Judea and Jerusalem and to the uttermost part of the earth. You're going to be witnesses. And so this is what 
God wants us to be. Ordinary people who have received extraordinary supernatural experience should be eager to tell people the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've been redeemed, if you've been redeemed, you got a story. Amen? If you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, honey, you got a story. Now, God didn't save me from alcohol. Yes, He did. Let me tell you how God saved me. He saved some of you from alcohol and some of you from drugs and some of you from other things. But He saved, he saved you because you did it and He got you out of it. He saved me from it because I never went there. So we've all been saved from it. Everybody shout amen. How many of you are glad for where God brought you from? Glad for what God done in your life. I could go through this congregation here tonight and, and uh, you could hear testimony after testimony of what the Lord has done for you. The Lord of the hearts. He did not call us to be clever or spectacular or showy or brilliant. He just called us to be witnesses. You don't have to have a law degree. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to have a million dollars in the bank. All you have to do is say, look what God has done in my life. Look what the Lord has done for me. Hallelujah. I wish we had time tonight. We'd just let you hear some testimonies because there's some folks in here. Everett, how long have you been clean? Fifteen years. But God brought you out of the drug world. That's why he shouts up and down these aisles on Sunday morning, because God brought him out of the drug world. Danny, how long have you been clean? One year. That's when you walked into my office one year ago. See, see, see what testimonies we got? Oh, it don't just start there. I could tell you, I can reach all the way back to the back. And Bonnie Ballou was saved off the strip in Bossier City. Am I right, Brother Bonnie Ballou? Y'all don't even, Bossier Strip, such a thing in the past, y'all don't even know about it. But that was a wicked place back then, wasn't it, Brother Ballou? But you see, here's a man, almost 90 years old, that's still got a testimony. I want to preach to you this a little bit tonight. If God's brought you out, He brought you out so you could tell somebody you got out and how you got out because what He done for you, He'll do for somebody else. Well, I'm not much of a speaker. You don't have to be. I, I, I can't take a text like you can, preacher. You don't have to do that. All you got to do is just tell what you've seen and heard. Tell what happened to you. The Samaritans were people of mixed races. Listen to me. Renegade Jewish remnants intermarried with Assyrians and others who had settled there. And these heathen people were idolatrous and they had very little comprehension of God or the God of Israel, should I say. And, 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 and idolatry corrupted them and their knowledge of God was very little and, and along came people like Jeroboam who introduced them in the Old Testament, Samaritans. They, we call them half-breeds because they were half-Jew. It was when the, when the Jews settled and, and they married into the Assyrians that half-breeds were born. And, and inter, Jeroboam introduced them to, the, to worship of, of golden calf. And, and, and the Samaritans were hated by the normal Jews. I want you to get this. 
all these factors created the environment into which this woman that I read to you about tonight was born into, and they contributed to her life and, and the complete disarray that her life was in. She was a troubled and confused woman when she met the master at the well. She was troubled. She had a lifestyle that was not to be proud of, to say the least. The, the, you, want, you want to talk about issues and common people? She had family problems. I, I don't ask for a show of hands, but let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than family problems. And probably not one soul in this room tonight has not been touched at some time and affected by family problems. Amen? Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching and not looking at anybody. Not, I'm, not, I'm just preaching tonight, okay? Everybody say, he's just preaching. But I'm going to give you the word of the Lord. I'm going to tell you right from wrong. And, and, and divorce is rampant in our world. Child abuse is rampant in our world. Amen? It, 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 it's so many things that are happening in America in 2018. This woman had family problems. The Samaritan's woman parents, they may not have had a copy uh, of, of the word back then. They, they lived in the midst of the heathen, in the Samaritan culture. It, it's not likely that her parents observed the teachings of Moses during the formative years of her life. But whatever her background Whatever her life was, it was in turmoil. And how do I know that? Because it tells a little bit of her history in this chapter. And when Jesus came to, to her, she, she had not only suffered one failed marriage, but five. She was living correctly. Or she was living with a sixth man whom Jesus correctly identified as not being her husband. He said, where's your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right. You've had five. He knew. Everybody say, he always knows. He said, you're right. You've had five. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. You don't have a husband. Failed relationships have a tendency to reproduce themselves over and over in people's lives. Such was the experience of the Samaritan woman. I won't, I'm talking about common people now. You want to get down to where we live? This is a picture of our day. You don't, one preacher said, and I heard it many years ago, we don't even get any good clean sinners anymore. You know, they used to come in and, and there were folks that, you know, their life wasn't too messed up. But now, when they come, there, there's, there's marriages, there's extended families, there's, there's drugs, there's alcohol, there's abuse, there's, there's, there's wild things going on in people's lives. I, it's hard to explain. It's hard, but it's the day that we're living in. But, but this woman, was a, she was a, a product of broken family and broken life. Satan, ladies and gentlemen, is attacking the families and the homes of the people of God in an unprecedented fashion in 2018. 
You believe what you want to. I had someone that talked to me just this week, and they said, I started fasting and praying, and, 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 and it seems like the more I fast and pray, the, the worse things get. I said, well, welcome to the real world of a child of God. The devil's going to unleash every attack he can. When you start getting close to God, he starts trying to get you away from God. Amen? Listen to me. Listen to me when I tell you this. That nobody, nobody is exempt from trouble. No preacher. No saint. Nobody. Everybody has issues that they have to deal with. And Satan is making sure that he's attacking the family. Let me tell you why he hates the family. Because before there was a church, there was a family. Now some of you don't believe this. If he can tear up the families, he can tear up the church. Amen? Before there is a church, there's a family. God made Adam and Eve and gave them Cain and Abel. And I know y'all don't like to hear this. I know you don't. But I got to tell you this. You ready for this? We're all kin. Everett, I'm kin to you, baby. I may be a different color today, but somewhere we all came from the same place. It all goes back to Adam and Eve. And you may not claim me, darling, but I'm kin to you somewhere. You say, oh, no, preacher, that ain't right. Yes, it is. The world started with two. So, so what are you saying? I'm saying God started with a family. The family is of God. He realizes, the devil does, that if he can destroy the family, the entire fabric of civilization will dismantle. He realizes. You see, people who follow the scriptural teaching of family relationships, they inoculate themselves with the Word of God and the preached Word of God and the worship of the church. Satan can't stand that because they build hedges and fences that he can't get to them. I'll tell you what I believe. I still believe the scripture that says the angels of the Lord encamp around about them that fear him. I believe you can build fences the devil can't get by. I believe you can, you can take and put a hedge around your home. Now let me tell you something. Uh, just a few days ago, I was married 46 years, that girl right there. Now if you think for a minute it's all been roses, you are crazy. My daddy used to say, you couldn't hear us argue. argue. We never argued. But you could hear us reasoning for a couple of blocks away. How many ever have had a reasoning session? You know? Yeah, come on now, be honest. I asked one time when I was Pastor Sandy Lake, I said, How many of you never had a disagreement? And this is the honest to God truth. There was a guy that he was so henpecked. He was an older guy, too. But I'm telling you, that woman, she ran that household, not just him, all the household, with an iron fist, buddy. And so help me, God, I tell you right where he was sitting, I'm taking the place. I said, how many of you have never had an argument? And he raised his hand. 
And I called his name. I said, bless you, my brother. I really wanted to say, the reason because you knew better. True story. I moved quickly away from that because I saw right quick that that wasn't going to work. But we all have them. We have family issues in America now and even in the church. We have moral issues. Everybody say moral issues. Too often moral problems at the root of family problems. The marriage vows are still sacred whether you believe that or not. And when one takes the marriage vows to promise not to, to, or to forsake, to, to forsake no, each other, not to forsake each other and to keep themselves clean and pure uh, for life, and, and uh, what, all of that's sacred to God. That's not just words. That's not just something written on paper. Uh, of the three avenues that Satan uses to tempt humanity, listen to me right now, he most often uses the lust of the flesh. Because every man and every woman is susceptible. Let, let me John John two fifteen sixteen. I believe it is John two, um, and it, I don't believe it's Saint John, but I, I may have my notes wrong. But you know what the Bible said? There's there's three things that that we have to contend with in life, and here they are. You ready? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. All sin comes under these three categories and the pride of life. Everybody say it with me. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh is probably the thing that causes us moral, moral issues and problems. And it is at the root of most family issues and problems. It's important and right for people to keep themselves right. It's equally important they remain pure for the sake of their family and their children. It's a selfish world sometimes when we look at it because, look, folks, some folks change husbands like they change clothes or change wives like they, I, I'm serious. And I'm not faulting anybody here that's ever had an issue in your family or, or, or divorce or, or any, and there's some in this room like that. Here's what I'm telling you. From this point forward in your life, don't ever let the devil get to you. Don't ever let him lie to you. Don't ever, and, and, and look, some people, there's a reason in the scriptures for, for divorce. I want you to understand that. God never smiled on divorce. He wanted one man with one woman. And one woman with one man. But sometimes there are reasons that the Scripture gives for divorce. And I understand that. But here's a woman that had been married five times. And she was living. She was, pardon me if you want to know what it meant in our, in our vernacular, it was this. She was shacked up. You can't shack up and be right. Just the way it is. Everybody say amen. You say amen or on me. I'm just telling you. You, you can't do that. I had a man came to me in, uh, years and years ago, not in this church, uh, where I pastored before. And, and matter of fact, he was on the way home from work. He said this. This was his testimony. He didn't know one thing about Pentecost. He'd been a few times. And, and I knew him because he worked down at the boat place where I bought a boat. And, and he was on his way home from work. 
And he said, so help me, Pastor. I looked over, and there's a ball of fire in the sky. And he said, I thought, what in the world is that? And he said, I came toward it, and it was revival service going on right here at this church. And he said, I got out of my car and came in. Well, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And the issue was is that, that he was shacked up. He was living with a woman. And, and she, she didn't have a divorce yet. And, and, and so he said, what I do? I said, you, you can't live like that. He said, I don't have nowhere to go. All my folks live up north. I said, I don't know what to tell you, but you, you know, you go in there and climb into bed with her tonight. You, you ain't right. That's all I can tell you. Y'all want to know the rest of the story? Some of you go on the edge of your seats now. It's like a novel, isn't it? And a romance novel here on Wednesday night. Hey, listen. You know what he did? He really got the Holy Ghost. He moved to one end of the house. She moved to the other. Big old, big old house. I'm going to tell you right where it was at. And every, every week he'd say, Pastor, I just want to tell you I'm living right. I'm trying to get it straight, trying to get it right. And you know what he'd done? He, he, he got it right. And he married that woman. And they stayed married till I went down to help preach her funeral. She got the Holy Ghost too. And, and I preached her funeral last year, maybe two years ago. And, and he's, still, he's still living for God. He's still in the church. But if you want to live for God, you've got to get it right. So you've got to be 64 and, and don't care to preach this kind of stuff. Amen. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you the devil will blindside you. The task of rearing your children in a permissive society is not easy. It's very hard. I'd hate to know that I had to rear children in this society. Some of our, some of our younger Couples that are maybe some of you in this room, you have your work cut out. And the only way you're going to make it is God, grace, mercy, word, prayer, faithfulness. That's the only way you're going to keep your family saved and in this church. Amen. I just believe once the marriage agreement's made, it's for life. Anybody believe that? I could read you a lot of scripture, but I'm 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 not. I'm going to bypass that tonight. So we're dealing we're dealing with moral, moral, immoral America and moral issues, child molestation, incest, pornography, filthy movies, ungodly television programs, inundated in our society, producing emotionally scarred people who have difficulty coping with life, and so they turn to things that try to make them forget, like alcohol and drugs and pills and even prescription medicine, and people get hooked. I'm preaching tonight, whether you believe it or not. There's an increased acceptance, abundance of acceptance of homosexuality in our world and the behavior of homosexuality, homosexuals in their homosexuality, and they don't care who knows it. Oh, I could tell you some stuff right now that probably some of you say, you're kidding me. You're kidding. I'll just tell you. How about that? I hope they're watching by the Internet because if I'd have known this Sunday, I'd probably preach a little bit brighter. Because God hates that. God loves people, but He don't like that lifestyle. Does anybody here believe that? There's a whole group of people came in here Sunday. I won't tell you who they were, where they're sitting, but there's, there's a whole group. And, and come find out. I didn't know who they were. I said, Lord, go find out who all them people are. 
And then it's from a homosexual church. Now, understand this. They believed Acts 2.38. I'm telling God's truth, and it ain't far from here. And the whole church showed up here Sunday. About six of them. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm telling the truth. I got on the Internet. <laughs> My wife and I did that night, and I said, you're kidding me. This, this can't be true. I've never had this before. The preacher was here. The pastor and his, I thought I'd say his wife, but it was a shim. I thought it was a woman. Some folks got close and they realized she had a little five, five o'clock shadow on her. In this church Sunday. Now, you say, oh, well, really? Yeah, that, you know what that tells me? It's more prevalent. And these are people, this guy preaches Jesus' name, baptism, Holy Ghost, in filling, Acts 2.38, John 3.5. He preaches the same thing we preach, except you don't believe what I believe. And you're looking at one preacher that's very, very proud. God didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. I mean, they was just worshiping his shot. So I pulled it up on the Internet. You come to me, I'll tell you how to get there. I pulled it up on the Internet. My wife and I laid in the bed Sunday night, and she's pulling up. Let's look at that. And we, we got to watch it. Got to watch him preach. and Got to shout. They shouting and falling out and talking in tongues. You, you ain't never seen the like. And yet, they condone homosexuality. Ladies and gentlemen, I hate to tell you, but that's being turned over to a reprobate mind. God, if you want to know what God thinks about that, you go get your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 1. Where the Bible said that they love the creature more than the creator. And I'll tell you what God did in Romans chapter 1. The Bible said he, he literally turned them over unto themselves. Now think about that a while. You don't want God turning you over to you because you, you will be in trouble. That means no more God is in it. You're your own God. This lady had, had moral issues. We understand. Look, there's no way I'm going to get through tonight. But I'm going to try. As a result of declining moral values in general, people's ideas of what is morally acceptable are distorted in the day we live in. And television and movies and Hollywood slowly but surely has desensitized good old America. Because I remember when it was a shame. I remember when you didn't dare tell nobody about that kind of sin. She also had religious problems. Now, to live according to the precepts of the Word of God, 
it's a strong deterrent of, of, of issues in your life and family problems and moral problems. Jesus is not just the way to eternal life. The Bible said He is the way. He is the way. The only access to God is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does anybody believe that? And the knowledge of that truth brings with it great responsibility to take the whole gospel to the whole world. That's what we're responsible for. The people of God have got to tell the goodness of God and the good news of God and of Jesus and you've got to do it with fervor and intensity and with great zeal because that's what God is expecting of us, ordinary people, false religions. False religions have done as much to kindle the flames of hatred and bring division between nations, families, and individuals as any single tactic of Satan. Now, you go back in history and wars were fought over religion. Nations were divided over religion. Do you know why the pilgrims came to America? Huh? Religious freedom. So, I'm not, I'm not talking out, I'm talking out of the history book as well as the Bible. The Samaritan woman was, was blinded by false religion. And it caused her concern about where she should worship. I read that in John chapter 4. She didn't know whether to worship at the mountain where her forefathers had worshipped or the temple in Jerusalem. She didn't know the proper place. And to her statement of confusion, Jesus answered that whether worshiping was conducted in Jerusalem or in Samaria was not the point. Rather, how she worshipped was a measurable and, 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 and the right thing to be looking at. Jesus saith unto her, Listen, woman, I'm reading, Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. One of my favorite verses of all the Word. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Somebody said amen. So Jesus led the Samaritan woman to, to the understanding that He was the Messiah and that the people of God were expecting Him to come. He realized, he realized that resolving her religious error would put her on the right path to solving her moral and family issues. You get the church right, everything else starts falling in place. Am I right? You put God in your life and conviction and the Word and the pre Everybody needs preaching. I'm preaching out of the Bible tonight. You want to know what the Bible said? Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. And the Bible said that you need a preacher in your life. 
It don't have to be me, but you need a preacher in your life. You need somebody to preach the gospel. Amen. Let me move quickly. Everybody say a searching Savior. Say it with me, a searching Savior. The supreme purpose of Jesus Christ was to seek and save lost people. How many of you believe that? That's why he came to this earth, to seek and to save the lost. The Bible said that in Luke 19 and 10. With all the resentment and animosity that existed between the residents of Samaria and the Jews, it was not a desirable place to visit. Now watch me close here. But salvation was not designed to remain just with the children of Abraham. And Jesus went to Samaria to plant the seed of eternal life where Jews didn't like to go. Jesus went, went against the opinion of his day when he went to Samaria. you got to know this. If the Lord could have been influenced by public opinion, if he was a politician, he'd have done this, you know, see which way the wind's blowing. You know, politicians, they want to they wanna make sure which way the wind's blowing before they tell you what you want to hear. Most of them. But there are many people in the kingdom of God are, are, if the Lord, He could have been influenced by public opinion, but there are many people, that's what I'm trying to say, who are in the kingdom of God that would be excluded if He went by people's opinion. And this was one of them. This woman would have never found God if the disciples would have had their way. She would have never known about this living water if Jesus would have listened to public opinion. That's why true preachers can't listen to public opinion. You've got to preach the Word of the Lord. And true Christians can't live by public opinion. You have to live by the Word of the Lord. Oh, there's enough sermons here tonight for me to preach the rest of this series. Jesus went to the woman of Samaria because He loved her. And it was out of concern. It was a feeling of deep concern for a woman that had been in sin, and I'm talking about deep sin, that caused Jesus to go out of his way. He knew she was lost. He, he told his disciple, I must needs go to Samaria. He went for one reason, Brother Eric. He went for one reason. Because he knew that woman was going to be at that well. You see, it's still a matter of grave concern to the Lord. He still will go out of his way to save people. He still will do whatever it takes. The Bible said he devised his means to save his banished. I'm telling you, he will go out of his way to save people. You believe that? He'll, he'll go to a bar room to save people. I remember before Brother Robert Mitchell died, I remember him telling his story how his old praying mama was at home and he was sitting on a bar stool when God got a hold of him. God got a hold of him on a bar stool and got him out of that bar and filled him with the Holy Ghost. You see, God will go wherever people say. They hated Jesus for that reason and many times in the New Testament, the Bible said he went home with Simon and Simon was a sinner. They couldn't understand. He left the disciples. He left everybody and went to Simon's house. And they said of him, this man eats with sinners. No greater compliment could ever be paid to the church 
of the living God than that this church eats with sinners. And our God ministers to sinners. This is not an elite club. This is a salvational issue. This is not where you got to be something special. It's just ordinary people. God reached out and found a woman of ill repute. Do you know how he risked his reputation when he went to the well that day? Don't you know? Don't you know? This was going on. If somebody saw him, you know where I saw that Jesus? He was down there talking to that woman that's been married five times and shacked up with that old boy over there on the other side of the tracks. They were talking about him, but he didn't care. You can't go by public opinion. you got to go by the word of the Lord. Jesus had compassion on that woman for, for all the things that she had done. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. He don't care where you've been. He don't care who you are. He don't care what color you are. He don't care what your, your past is. The past is forever gone when you meet Jesus. He washes you up with His blood. He cleanses you through and through. And when you get up from that altar of repentance and that experience of the Holy Ghost, you're a brand new creature in Christ. He don't remember it anymore. He just took everything and threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. I'm preaching tonight that Jesus loves you and He loves people. Ha! Huh. There's not anybody so lost that God can't save them. You think of the worst person you know, ever murderer, ever liar, ever adulterer, ever prostitute, every cheater, everybody that you can think of that's wicked and immoral. He loves them. And there's nobody He can't save. Some of you don't believe that. I believe that with all my heart. Paul lifted a whole bunch of stuff. And you know what he said? And such were some of you. Don't you sit up here on the stool of, 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 of pious and, and pride and say, look who we are. Let me tell you who we are. We are just sinners. That God loved enough to go out of His way to pick us up in a world of seven billion people. He found you and I. Aren't you glad God loves us that much? Aren't you glad He loves ordinary people? You can be real lost or you can be just a little bit lost. He'll save you. It's true that some people have gone to greater depths of sin than others, but I'm here to tell you, no, nobody has gone so far that God can't save. I've had people tell me, I've had people tell me, preacher, God can't save me. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He saved, he saved Saul and made him Paul, and he was a persecutor. He was a murderer. He killed Christians. I mean, come on, folks. You don't get much worse than that. Say, well, I, I've done some wicked things. The blood of Jesus is the greatest cleansing agent I know of. It'll wash you clean. Hallelujah. You see, here's what that woman did have that nobody else knew. She had a sincere heart. By looking at her lifestyle, you'd have never suspected it, that inwardly she was hungry for something. But God knew it. He knew it before he headed that way. That's why I said to Simon, I've got to go to Samaria today. Why are you going to Samaria? 
we don't even like them folks. We don't get along with them. That's not the popular thing. But he knew he, she had searched for fulfillment and for satisfaction in the wrong places. Just like a lot of folks have. By gratifying the base desires that are born of fleshly lust, her life had become empty. She was the talk of the town. But the hunger inside her, God saw it. Every wrong turn she had made in her desperation to find something that was satisfying. And so this day she rose and went to the well in an unlikely, listen to me, in an unlikely hour. Do you think maybe she went when nobody else was there because she didn't like people talking to her and talking about her? Do you think maybe she was a little bit ashamed of her lifestyle? And when she shows up this day, here comes a man by the name of Jesus. He sensed her sincerity, and by probing the depth of her spirit, he, he reached down inside. He discerned her inward misery. That's why he began to tell her about her lifestyle. When he started telling her about who she was and what she'd done, he had her attention. He realized she, she longed to be to change, but didn't have the strength to do it on her own. No doubt. The inner conflict of people, the inner conflict, we won't ever see that part. But there's, there's things that cause people to be who they are and what they are. It's some, look, my wife could tell, tell you this better than I could. We, she, she's taught me a whole lot. She's educated me with her education, which is a good thing. But, but the reason people do some things they do is not because of the right now. It's because of the yesterday. It's because of what they've been through and because of some things they've seen and they've been a part of. And It's just certain things that, that come along that, that, that now psychologists and counselors can put their finger on. They know immediately when, when somebody comes in, they say, I'm doing this, this, and this. They start asking Questions about certain issues and certain things, and I'm trying not to name things here tonight, but, but the facts are your, your inner man and the conflict and the raging turmoil and the things that go on in your life, you don't know how to get over that. But God looks down and He sees honesty and sincerity and hunger, and He knows and He, he understands you better than you understand yourself. And that's why Jesus found common ground with a Samaritan woman when He showed up for water. And He started questions. He, he, said, he said, you don't understand who I am because if you did... I would give you water that you would never thirst again. She looked at him, and her mind is whirling by this time because he's already told her she'd been married five times. He's already told her she was shagging up. He told her, and, and now, now she's looked at him. She said, you can't draw water. You don't even have anything to draw with. She didn't quite grasp it. But the Lord was wise, and he... He, he, he brought the, the living water as a spiritual application and began to tell her, you just give me a, a drink and, and I'll give you. He said, if you just knew the gift of God and who it is that's talking to you today, 
He said, you'd ask me for a drink. And, and I'll give you something that you will never, never. You see, he knew. Everybody say this with me. He knew. She was thirsty. Because he said, if you get this, you won't be thirsty anymore. If you get this, you won't, you, won't, you won't live like you've been living. You won't be trying to find something that will tame your inner conflict and, and the things that's going on in your mind and all the, the sin that you've committed. Let me tell you something, folks. God loves to save the rankest, filthiest, dirtiest sinner. And that is the greatest testimony that he can have in this world. When you see somebody turn their life around and all of a sudden they're walking as a new man and the world's saying, hey, what's happened to him? What's happened to her? What didn't they used to be? And, and, and all you can hear is tongues wagging and they're saying, my, my, what a difference in their life. That's the greatest example and witness Jesus could ever have. More than what you say is how you live. I hurry. I hurry. I got six minutes. So the little woman didn't realize what was in store for her. But the Lord had something for her. She had a change of mind. I'm hurrying. She was so deeply moved. She was so deeply moved that she experienced regret. And remorse. She was moved by what Jesus had to say. He revealed himself to her. And then, this is where I want to go for the last five minutes. When he got through with her, she took off to town. And she went to people that she hadn't spoke to in a long time. And she said, you got to come with me. I found a man that told me everything about me. you you got to come with me. She brought the whole town out. I wonder what would happen if we, as just ordinary people, would take our witness ordinary people and say if he did it for me he'd do it for you he say Danny don't quit don't ever quit telling your story somebody you know people people say this ever don't ever quit telling your story people say well you know I'm ashamed of what I've done well it's okay to be ashamed of what you've done but be proud of what God's done amen be vocal about what God's done well I'm just ashamed of who I've been we we're all ashamed of our sin. When you came to God and repent, you had to be ashamed of your sin. Amen? Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. But the facts are this. You've got to tell it. You've got to speak it. you got to, if you've been out there in a certain place in a certain time, you need to find some people that are in a certain place at a certain time. And say, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. You know, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of this at all. Matter of fact, David, can I use you a little bit? Okay. I'll tell you one thing. You got you got you one of those sports model haircuts like my daddy used to say. You, you got white sidewalls and a hard top. Listen, listen. See this guy right here? 
He's here every service. He don't miss the service. David was raised around this church. But David got messed up. David wound up in prison. David's been in prison. How long? Three and a half years. But David got a wake-up call. Is his background good? No. But his future's bright. I don't care if he's been to prison. This guy right here would do anything I ask him to do. He's always given me testimonies how God's blessed him. He's helped people who didn't have jobs. He's a good mechanic. Now, don't go ask him to fix your car for nothing. I'm not doing it for that. But he's helped people. I call him in the middle of the night and say, David, would you, would you go? Yes, sir. I'll do that. But you know why? He fell in love with the Lord. Every Sunday you'll see David. He sits right over there. And, and you'll see him walk out first. He's one of the first ones out. Because you've never been where he's been, so you can't be thankful as he's as, as thankful as he is. You think I'm going to hold his past against him? Look at me right in these hazel eyes I got. If you do, you're the biggest fool that ever lived. This guy got a brand new start, and it's because he met Jesus at the well. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you water for you won't ever thirst again. I'm preaching about you, buddy. I don't mean to embarrass you, but here's, here's a victory. This is our victory right here. He goes to my wife every week for counseling. He's been doing that ever since he got out of prison. And he's, he, I don't think, if you've missed a service here, it's been only because you've been sick. He's not missed one service since he got out of prison. Couldn't hardly get him to come for that. But you know what, David? If it took prison for you to get your life in order, how worth it is it? How worth it, huh? Yeah. That's your ba- prison was his biggest blessing. Because it brought him to understand what it means to serve God. You see, none of you, and, and I'm not, and there's others in here. I can go back and get you by the shoulder and tell your story. I could tell you the story. We're, we're not perfect people, but I'll tell you one thing. When God, when God shows up at the well, He's got something for us. And let me just tell you, the water He's going to give you, you won't have to thirst again. And you won't have to be the man you used to be or the woman you used to be. I'm here to tell you, we got some great witnesses in this church. Came to me not long ago and said, we're going to knock doors on Saturday. I said, go get them, David. Go get them. He got tracks. He handed them out. They walked the streets. They handed out tracks. You know why? Because some of us have been sitting around here for 50 years. we got too much pride to that. I didn't mean to start preaching like that, but I did. But let me tell you, when God meets you where you are, and I, 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 just, I just want to tell you, none of us are exempt from issues, moral, family, religious, problems, situations, lifestyles, Illicit things. None of us. But let me tell you, when the Lord shows up at the well, He's got a reason. And when He gets through with you, you will have water. James, you agree with me? James McCormick, my buddy. Thank God. Thank. Look, prisons put some folks in this church. Here's another right here. I, I, James, no, you, you know his history. You know what? James is here because God got a hold of him. He, he, he got in the city of faith and came here. 
and, and James was a good old Baptist boy. Trying to be careful. But he was a good, he led the singing in the Baptist church. He was a good old Baptist boy. He, but he never had the Holy Ghost. And when he came here, one Sunday morning, I'll never forget it, James walked right out from there and stood right here. And Robert Guest laid his hands on him. And God baptized him with the Holy Ghost. Look where we've been. You know why James is here? Because the Lord showed up at your well, James. He showed up at your well. I could go on and on and on. I don't do this to embarrass people. Please don't think that. And if these guys, if y'all are mad at me, don't tell me. Just love me. Because I love you. And I'm so proud. I want the devil to see what God has done. And the devil to know that there's a God that's bigger than anything he can do and throw at us. Ladies and gentlemen, God will use ordinary people to be powerful witnesses and bring cities and people and people that have issues and problems and put them in the kingdom of God. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Woo! My, 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 my. Ah, ordinary people. Ordinary folks. Wow. Ushers are coming to receive your offering. I'm right on time, I hope. Two minutes passed. Y'all put extra in the offering. Y'all got two minutes extra. Amen. Anybody got anything to say? I'll take a testimony. I'll take a question. I'll take a, a comment. Brother... Right. Open the door to the Gentiles. Basically what he done. Okay? Good good thought. Anybody else? I'll answer your question, but not too hard. Amen. Brother James? You can have this. You know, one thing about growing up Pentecostal, and I'm not fussing at anybody, you folks need to understand Pastor, that you know, when I miss church, man, I hate to see my phone because it's gonna blow up because Brother Chance is gonna be wanting to know where I was. You know, I've in in all my life in in church. I mean, all the years of going to church, and I I'm a big crybaby, so I know stuff. I mean, I never once had a pastor text me or, or call me and say, "Where were you?" 